Some ghosts want to scare us. Some demons want to possess us. But what happens when you encounter an entity that just wants to make you laugh? Then we travel to China to take a look at a bizarre story of a possible zombie outbreak back in the year 1995. Is there any truth to the story that mummified remains came back to life and began devouring the population of Chengdu, China? Or is the real story far more unsettling? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. And I hope you guys know that I mean it when I say that. I really hope when you're listening to this episode, things are better. And and, and if they're not, I hope they get good soon. (laughs) I know it sounds like a platitude, but I really do hope you guys are having awesome days out there. Someone who I know always has an awesome day walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Big old smile on his face. Give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, Edgar Escobedo. Woo! Give him a big round of applause. He's like shaking his head. He's like, it's having a great day until you mispronounce my name edgar you're gonna be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the patreon i totally get it makes sense not everyone has the money to spend just help spread the word about the show and i'm seeing that happen more and more often too so thank you for doing that those who are doing that but if you're not doing if you're not doing that that'd be great if you could just spread the word about the show that really really helps out a lot Edgar, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy, but it's a souped-up Jason Jalopy this time because I also want to do this plug for the Asylum Case Studies. That's a podcast that my friend Tressa does where she and a guest watch movies created by the Asylum Film Studio. They make a lot of really bad movies, so it's a lot of fun. I've already been on it before. We looked at Three-Headed Shark Attack, and I'm on it again this week. You can't get enough Jason? Well, how about if I showed up at your house? If me and Tressa showed up at your house wearing ICP clown makeup, wielding hatchets, is that enough for you? Well, we can't do that. Fortunately, we did look into buying airline tickets and flying out to everyone's house. We couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. So instead, we sat down and watched the 2008 film starring the Insane Clown Posse called Death Racers. It's a movie. About... <laughs> it doesn't really have a plot, man. It's such a mess. It is such a mess. And it was such a slog to watch. But I had a lot of fun talking to Tressa about it. So really, show your clown love. Suit up, ninjas. Get out there with your Fago And go over and check out the Asylum Case Studies. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts i'll put links to it in the show notes it's available on youtube show her some clown love let her know what the juggalo nation's all about actually don't 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 show up at her house with a hatchet but yeah check it out it was a lot of fun i really really enjoyed it edgar the reason why the jason jalopy is souped up is in case we have to get involved in one of these death races i fear for my safety after mocking Jalos for an hour but edgar i don't think we got to worry about that we'll just keep our eyes open for anyone wearing makeup edgar go ahead and hit the gas pedal we're leaving behind dead rabbit command we are headed all the way out to a little girl's bedroom we gotta stop going to these super vague and disturbingly titled places <laughs> I found this story online. It was written by someone known as Another Massacre. Thank you for posting the story. It's bizarre, but we're not going to call you that name for the story. We're going to call you Tracy. And if that's your real name, it's just a guess. Tracy tells this story. She's never been ticklish. Ever been ticklish. 
Her twin sister is very ticklish, but Tracy, she's not ticklish. And there's a lot of people like that. I know a lot of people who aren't ticklish. I'm super ticklish. I, if you even make like tickly fingers towards me, I'll go, eee! I'll sound, I'll sound like a donkey getting whipped. I don't like being tickled. Uh, but Tracy's, she's not ticklish. You could go and you could tickle her all day long. <laughs> I don't recommend putting this theory to the test. You're like, oh, is your name Tracy? And you're trying to like tickle random women through Walmart. She's not ticklish. Her twin sister is. They sleep in bunk beds. And this might be this might be one of the weird setups for a story, right? And you're like, what? That's the narrative device? Well, this is this is a creepy one. They're in bunk beds. So Tracy's on the top bunk, and her twin sister, we'll call her Betty, is on the bottom bunk. And one night, Tracy wakes up, and she's laughing out loud. She comes out of the deepest slumber, and... She can't stop laughing. This is straight up a guffaw. And what she realizes is that she's being tickled. And who knows why this is working this time, but she can feel someone tickling her ribs, tickling her armpits. She can feel her little her little sister's doing it, right? Her little sister woke up in the middle of the night and starts tickling her older sister, and she cannot figure out, one, why, why her sister's that dumb with doing it in the first place, but two, how it's working. How is she actually feeling this? And she's laughing so hard. This is the first time she's ever been tickled in her life. Or successfully tickled, right? I'm sure people went, diggle, diggle, diggle. And she's like, what are you doing? That doesn't even feel weird. But this time she's laughing so hard. She's laughing so hard, she's having a hard time catching her breath. And in between these, <laughs> she's able to mutter out, stop it, stop it, you idiot. Betty, stop tickling me. Now, Becky is on the bottom bunk, and she says, What? What are you doing? Why'd you wake me up? Why'd you wake me up? Why are you laughing so hard? And Tracy, in between taking in deep breaths and just laughing, she's barely able to say, Stop tickling me, Betty. Please, please stop. And that's when she sees Betty standing by the bunk bed with her hands raised in the air. She's not tickling Tracy. She goes, I'm over here, Trace. I, I, I'm not tickling you, see? And Tracy's brain starts to break a little bit. One, due to the fact that her, her sister's the only other person in the room and she's not tickling her. Two, she's not ticklish. She's never been ticklish. She doesn't understand why she's having this reaction. And three, she can't breathe. She's actually losing oxygen. Tracy is laughing so hard. I don't want to imitate it on the podcast because it would just get super irritating if I had like a laughter soundtrack underneath this all. But she's laughing so hard for so long. She can't breathe. And her brain goes to that place that a lot of our brains have gone to where you sit there and your brain goes, you're dead. You're not going to make it out of here. You're dead. Like her brain actually... Let her know this was how she was going to die. She was going to be tickled to death. And that thought, when she realized, because she can't breathe, she's laughing so hard she can't breathe, she's almost going into convulsions, she's being suffocated by laughter. That moment when her brain tells her, this is how you die, she uses the very last bit of energy, the very last piece of self-control to jump off the bunk bed. She needs to leave the room. And as she's, <laughs> she's jumping through the air, she's laughing. <laughs> she lands. Betty sees Tracy jump off the bed and it terrifies her. She doesn't know what's going on. She just sees that her sister is having some sort of fit. 
And Betty goes to run out the room. And Tracy is hot on her heels. They're both going to run out of this room and find comfort in the arms of their parents. The parents are like, here comes a tickle monster. She's like, no, no, no. And as Tracy is running through the darkness of her and her sister's bedroom, she looks down. For the very first time, she looks down and sees what's tickling her. A set of green fingers floating in the darkness are tickling her young skin. They move up and down her body, deep into her armpits, right in the ribcage. And she sees these ten, these ten disembodied green fingers just floating in the air, tickling her for the very first time in her life. I have a theory. I'm starting to develop a theory about this show. This show, I go out of my way, i.e. I sit in a chair and I read the internet all day long and read books and stuff like that. But my goal is to find you the most obscure stuff, the stories you haven't heard before. We all know the Bermuda Triangle. We all know about John Wayne Gacy and the... All that stuff, right? And I didn't want a podcast like that. I wanted a podcast like this. But I'm realizing that that the longer this show goes, the more insane the stories become. This This is one of those stories that, how would you classify it? Is it a ghost? Is it a demon? Is it like a gremlin? Is it some... I don't know how you would classify it to begin, right? Secondly. It's terrifying, just, I can't classify it, and two, it's terrifying on so many different levels, because if we think about it, she wasn't ticklish, and this, she was never ticklish to any human, but this thing was able to activate something on her body that previously didn't work. How? Why? Why did it approach her that way? Had she not been able to jump off that bed quick enough, would she have been tickled to death? Where are the fingers now? Was there Were the fingers attached to something that she couldn't see? Was it really disembodied fingers tickling her in the darkness? What in the world was that? And what was its end goal? And then I think, what happens when we walk into, you know, not, not us, we're not in police officers or coroners or anything, but when you find someone and they died in their sleep and they're like, oh, they must have gone peacefully. Jason, are you are you about to say that everyone's grandma, everyone's grandma and grandpa who died in their sleep was actually tickled to death? I don't know. Am I about to say that? It's just so weird. This is one of those stories that I can't even categorize. Alien, maybe. And it's funny because if she was ticklish, if she was normally like I'm the most ticklish person in the world, but one night I had a really weird encounter, I would still report. I would still report it. It's still bizarre. The disembodied fingers is the creepiest part. But I mean, imagine, think about it this way. Imagine if you were deaf, you had no sense of hearing, but then a ghost was able to restore your sense of hearing, but she could only hear demonic voices. Like it's actually reactivating something that doesn't work on you. And I know there's a big difference between being deaf and not being able to be tickled. But you know what I mean? Like, the human body has its limits. And her limit was she couldn't be tickled. Her skin wasn't that sensitive. But in this case, it 
made it brought it out in her creepy story and it's i mean i I just find it you can't classify it it's something that could probably happen to other people doesn't seem like it's a localized haunting it's just too weird i'm afraid i'm afraid as this show continues i'm never afraid of running out of stories i've never been afraid of that because there's so much out there now i'm starting to get afraid that we're going to end up breaking the universe on this show because we're just going to keep finding weirder and weirder stories and eventually i'm going to find the most obscure bizarre story and it'll have some curse built into it and wipe out half of the country so just like just like the movie death racer starring the insane clown posse you should check it out our review on the asylum case studies no um yeah it's just a weird story it's creepy creepy story and we covered a disembodied finger just about a week or two ago and this story popped up i didn't go looking for it just popped up when i was doing my normal research so we have two stories about disembodied fingers in less than about three weeks is this a common phenomenon that people aren't acknowledging because it's just too weird who knows very very creepy story though be careful tonight when you're sleeping. Be careful tonight when you're sleeping in your bunk bed with your twin sister because something might show up to tickle you. Oh, God, I hate being tickled so much. Edgar, I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. I have a jar. I have a mason jar with a couple fingers in it. We're going to steady these back at Dead Rabbit Command. But first, I want to leave this girl's room. We are headed all the way out to Chengdu, China. <laughs> We're going back to the year 1995. Third Eye Blind is bumping on the radio. I actually don't think it was being played in China. I don't know what their popular songs were. But anyways, we're flying over the town of Chengdu, China. And we see a bunch of archaeologists, like dust. They got their brooms and stuff like that. They're dusting off bodies. There's a bunch of workers standing around going, Oh, dude, this is super spooky. Why did I sign up for this job? And there's this old temple nearby. Super spooky, like no one wants to be there when the sun goes down. The archaeologists are like, bring up that stuff over there. All those jars and all that old stuff. Bring it here. And the workers are like, the workers are all scared. They're constantly shaking. They're like, whoa, whoa. Almost dropping the jars. And the archaeologists are dusting off all this stuff. But they're mostly looking at these three mummies. They found these three mummies that are almost perfectly preserved in the area around this temple. And they're like, dude, this is totally awesome. And they're like, they're giving each other high fives. <laughs> they take the mummy hand and they're like slapping the mummy's hand. And then they go, you know what? We've done a lot of archaeology today. Let's all go home. We found these bodies. Let's go home. Because if the bodies were here for a thousand years, they'll surely be here tomorrow. So the archaeologists go home, and apparently they hired the, the worst night watchman. He probably got scared and ran away. Probably watched too many Abbott and Costello movies and thought they were documentaries. Because the next day, the archaeologists show up, and the bodies are gone. The archaeologists, they're bummed, right? Because this was supposed to be like their life's work, right? You don't find a mummy every day. If you did, if you did, they wouldn't be in museums. So they were pretty bummed out, but they figured, uh, you know what, Tomb Raiders must have shown up. It's more than just a video game. There's actually people who go out and steal stuff from archaeological sites. Because, you know, people will buy stuff. Like, people, you steal an old, crusty pot, the Tomb Raiders don't take the Tomb Raiders don't take it to their home and go, ah, the magnificent of this old clay pot. No, you would sell it to rich people who would put it in their house, and then the rich buddies come over and be like, hey, hey, dude, what, what new stuff do you have? And he's like, oh, look at this old pot I have, and I got this ancient flute, too. Because you, you, if you don't buy it, it just goes to a museum. 
Actually, now that I think about it, I wonder if like an, if you went to an archaeologist's house, if they have a bunch of stuff that they didn't turn in. They're like, and this is King Tut's skull. And they're like, ew, gross. He's like, yeah, I didn't tell the museum I found this one. His eyes are all glowing. I'm sure archaeologists steal stuff all the time now that I think about it. Like they're constantly taking rib, rib bones home. They're trying to build a human skeleton out of all the other pieces they find. But if you, you once you turn it into a museum, you, it's not like a shopping mall. You can't buy it there. So Tomb Raiders will steal stuff and then sell it to rich people. So they figure that's what happened. Someone must have shown up and absconded with three mummies. So you'd, I, I can imagine you'd make a lot of money with some mummies. But then a few days later, someone's like, hey, archaeology dudes, come over here. Come, come, woo, 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 come over here. And the archaeologists go running over and they're like, look, and they found the mummies. They found the three mummies that were stolen and laying next to them were two more mummies. So the archaeologists, the archaeologists know how to count. That's two more mummies than they were supposed to have. It's really weird, but also they're archaeologists. So they're like, their eyes became, their eyes became little cash symbols. Ka-ching! Now they're just going to get more mummy money. But as one of the archaeologists was bending over and he's like, Gadzooks, look at this one. Like these three, they have like old bandages on. But this guy, this mummy apparently is wearing a pair of Levi's and has a polo shirt. That's weird. The mummies sprang to life. And with old desiccated hands, grabs the archaeologist. Starts biting into his neck. Run, run. We thought they were mummies. No, but they were not. They're zombies. Uh, well, technically, they are mummies because three of them are wrapped in bandages. But actually, now that I think about it, these are Chinese. They use the word mummy, but I don't think they, I don't think they look like the Abney Costello mummy. I think the terminology may have just been a desiccated corpse. Now that I think about it, I don't think they're actually like tying the bandages down, holding them with nails, and the mummies are getting all unraveled. They're zombies. They're zombies, though. So these desiccated corpses are now lurching around the work site. People are like, ah, get out of there. There's a guy on a ladder. He's, like, painting something. And he's like, oh, no, he's the zombie horde. He's like, oh, no, I'm on this ladder. I can't go anywhere. It would be horrifying, right? You're throwing, like, ancient relics at him. You're throwing arrowheads. You're throwing old arrowheads at him. The zombies are just, ugh, coming. The zombies descend on the town of Chengdu and they're walking around and they're just biting people. Now, some of the people who are bitten just die, fall down, are not resurrected. But others, for whatever reason, other people who are bitten by these zombies become zombies. Uh, eyes rolled back into the head, the sun beating down on their dead flesh as they stumble through the city of Chengdu. The police show up. Zombies are still walking, swatting at them. And eventually, as the zombies are just massacring a lot of people in this town, the Chinese military shows up. You got all these trucks. And then these Chinese dudes are jumping out with flamethrowers. And the zombies are just walking through the fire because they're super dumb and stuff. They're like, melting, I'm melting. They're like, at least they can talk. Oh, no. Maybe they are sentient. They flamethrower all of them, which is an interesting detail because the cops couldn't stop them. No one could stop them until they showed up as flamethrowers. Now, there's a lot of different zombie lore, and the the most common one is you shoot them in the head. That's how you kill them. The creepiest zombie lore, Return of the Living Dead style zombies, are you cannot kill them. 
you have to burn them to nothing. Well, then, then you do kill them. But if you cut one in half, there's two halves of a zombie coming after you. That's really like the legs are walking around. It's kind of funny to look at unless they like are drop kicking you in the head. So the other half of him can eat you. So they came in with flamethrowers, which is an interesting piece of the mythos. They came in with flamethrowers and they burnt up all the zombies. They took them out before the infection could spread outside of Chengdu. What's really, really interesting is this story that I just told you. Fun story, right? I was able to do a bunch of sound effects. I love it. This is one of the most popular urban legends in all of China. It's scary, right? Because I'm afraid of zombies. But at the same time, it's on the face of it seems made up. Right? If someone told me, oh, there was a zombie outbreak in the middle of Wyoming and the military went in to take care of it, I'd be like, what are you What are you talking about? What website did you get that from? Th- that's not true. That's obviously not true as I'm wetting my pants. <laughs> so I'm wetting my pants and I'm running to Walmart to stock up on my canned goods. We have urban legends all over the world. I love urban legends. I talk about them all the time on this show. This one is so out. What was it? A couple days ago, we talked about Bigfoot drinking battery acid. That one was more realistic than this one. I think almost every urban legend, the ghost hitchhiker, all that stuff, the man with the hand on the hook, that's all fairly realistic stuff. A zombie takeover of a city in China in the year 1995. That's very recent. It wasn't like 1872 or something like that. Interesting. It's one of the most popular urban legends in China. And... It has a very, very realistic component to it. Because because this is so popular, a lot of people have dug into it in China and, and worldwide looking into this. It turns out, I wasn't able to verify this, but this is what a lot of people believe. The researchers who've worked before me, I wasn't able to verify it. But again, there's a language barrier between English and Chinese sources. But apparently, around the same time in the mid-90s, there was a farmer in the town of Chengdu, who got rabies. He got rabies somehow, dog, bat, whatever. And he didn't get it treated. And he starts walking around. His mouth is all foaming and stuff like that. And he bites a pig. He bit a pig, which is hilarious. I I would pay money. Not saying that I want to see animals get abused. Well, I'll tell you this right now. If if a human walked up to bite a pig, that dude is not walking away. That pig is going to mess you up. Unless it's like Wilbur, unless it's like a tiny little pig. But even then, I think a pig, I think I think even a tiny pig kicking you in the face is going to do some damage. But apparently, this farmer got rabies, he didn't get it treated, he bit a pig. And then, you imagine this is like Babe Pig in the City, but they're both zombies. They're walking around. That would be a hilarious movie. Let's make that a zombified pig just like walking around biting people. No. They both died because they have rabies, right? This is a real, this is the realistic story. If you had rabies, you're not going to be able to walk around and spread it throughout the city and the bullets aren't phasing you. Pig, onk. No. Him, the farmer, and the pig both died of a horrible disease known as rabies. And the family, I guess, didn't realize. This is so funny. I don't know if this is true, but it's hilarious. I guess the the farmer died and the pig died. Now, they knew the farmer had rabies, but I don't know if they knew that the farmer bit the pig. I don't know, but for whatever reason, the farmer dies and they're like, oh, we're so sad and hungry. Let's eat the pig. So the family, the farm family, (laughs) ate a pig that had rabies and they all got rabies. 
And then they begin running around town biting people. I don't know if you can cook rabies. I don't know if you had a rabies. <laughs> this is not a theory I would ever test. I would never... Inf I'd be like, oh, that bat has rabies. Yum, yum, yum. I don't know if, if rabies can be cooked out. Um, probably not. It's like neurological. I wonder if you ate... Like if you ate a pig leg arm and there was like rabies in the brain, would I still get rabies? I don't know. I don't know any of this. <laughs> I doubt any doctor, any medical expert would even waste their time answering that question for me. But that's the story. So from that happening, you would think that that sounds like the origin, a realistic origin of a zombie story, right? And people do get rabies. It's pretty rare to die of it in the United States. But I don't know in China in 1995 in this region, if, and especially if someone was like, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. As they're hallucinating and foaming at the mouth, the family's like, uh, you can't really force someone to go to the doctor. So it's possible that he, this guy had rabies. That story makes sense. So we have the zombie story. Now we have the quote unquote official story, right? The story that makes a little more sense. A, well, I, mean, I guess if you think a family eating a rabies-infested pig makes sense. But th that's really, really interesting, right? I love taking a look at urban legends, and I, I love seeing how urban legends are crafted. But, but let's put on our conspiracy caps here and wrap this episode up like this. I think there's a more unsettling possibility with this. I definitely think something else could be going on. If not in China, somewhere else. Right now, there's this weird statesmanship going on between the Ukraine and Russia and the United States and NATO and all this stuff. And I'm watching the news the other day, and it said that get ready for Russia to claim an attack. Get ready for a false flag. Because what we're about to see is video footage, very, very gory video footage, <laughs> leather faces running through the battlefield, very gory war footage of the Ukraine, Ukrainian troops attacking Russian troops. And they were going to have footage of women running out of buildings and babies being pull pulled out of incubators and all this stuff. But don't believe it. Do not believe it. Russia is actually going to make a videotape showing Ukrainian troops committing these atrocities. And they're going to use that as a pretense to go to war. And I'm seeing headlines in Associated Press, CNN, Reuters, stuff like that, using the term false flag, which is fascinating. I mean, at a certain point, I thought I woke up and Alex Jones took over the lamestream media because I'm seeing this now. Normally, false flag, that's a real term. That is a real term. It's been bastardized by the conspiracy theory community. But now the State Department is coming out and saying, get ready for a false flag attack. And Russia's like, what in the world are you talking about? Also, write that down. That's a great idea. We'll save that for next time. But what are you talking about? We don't have a video. And the State Department says, well... You might. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. There is no proof that this video actually even existed, but the State Department says it might. And this is also fascinating to me, because is it a double bluff? Is it a quadruple bluff? Think about it. Russia, if they invade now and they said it was on the pretense of them getting attacked, the video could be fake. But now that we know that there's possibly a fake video coming out, the Ukraine could actually go out and commit atrocities and then blame it on the video. Be like, that wasn't us. That was all deep fakes. That was all just, there was a bunch of porn stars. You see all these Ukrainian troops and all their faces are Jenna Jameson. And you would be like, what in the world is going on? And it's like, so if it does happen, is that the video? 
If it doesn't happen, it was because we said we knew about the video. If they do get attacked, is it the video or are they attacking because we'll think it's be the video? And all this stuff. Super Looney Tunes stuff. This is real world consequences, right? <laughs> Jenna Jameson's on the front lines. Fascinating stuff. And this is all about that statesmanship. And really, here's the key. If you want to bury something, cover it up with a million lies. You'll never find the truth. And this is how it relates to the story about Chengdu. If I was China, I'm not saying that they actually did this, but if I was China, or really any country, and you wanted to go in and to suppress some sort of uprising or take out some political adversary or do something to a certain geographical location, if you do it, there's always a chance that news is going to get out and you'll look bad in the international community or even the local community, right? People don't want you moving in there with tanks or flamethrowers. But let's say you had to do it. Let's say you had to go in and put down an uprising. People would ask, what was the uprising about? Well, you know, it was about, it was about a bunch of stuff other people complain about, but you, you don't want to uprise. You don't want to uprise. You could go into a location and put down an uprising or take out a political foe. And let's say that you went and took out a small city. You don't have to destroy all of it, right? Maybe you just went in there and killed like 15, 20 people who were planning against your government. And so to keep people from finding out the truth, this is going to be really weird, but to keep people from finding out the truth, make up a story as to why they disappeared. A, a dumb, The dumber story, the better, right? You go, oh, yeah, no, those people, those political dissidents, they were zombies. And we had to send people in with flamethrowers to take out the, the political, I mean, the zombies. They're, they're zombies, zombies all the way down. And obviously you'd go, that's not true. Zombies don't exist. And you'd be, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I was just making that up. And then the person goes, well, what happened to those five people? Oh, I told you about the zombies, right? But no, you just told me the zombie story was made up. Yeah, I was just making that up. It's all, it's all ridiculous. I mean, those five people that you're naming that you have birth certificates for, they probably never even existed. Is this any of this? I don't know if this is making sense as much as I think it's making sense. So I'm going to wrap this up really quickly. But I can see a government doing that. And that's the scariest thing of all. Well, the real zombies are the scariest thing of all. But how would you do if you woke up one morning and your neighborhood, all the roads in and out are blocked off by barricades manned by the army and you want, are wondering what's going on and the answer is the answer is a rifle butt in the stomach and you're ordered to go back inside your house and you're sitting in there and you don't know what's going on and you see these troops going house to house and then spray painting a number on the door and then you see them getting closer and closer to your house and you can only hope you can only hope that they're, you can only hope that they're putting the number on the door to say how many Christmas gifts they're going to bring to that family. But your other only hope is that word of this situation will get out, right? They've shut down all cell phone communication. Your computer doesn't work. You try, you try reaching for the tin can string that's going across the neighborhood. It's cut. But whatever happens in this neighborhood stays in this neighborhood. And there is no way for this message to get out. And it turns out that you guys are all being shipped off to some camp. There, they will sort it out. They'll sort it out. Maybe they'll let you go home, but, uh, yeah, you know, you don't know. You get on that bus just like everyone else in your neighborhood. And as that bus is driving away, you'd be thinking, if someone has to know about this, there has to be some sort of outcry. No one can do this to a bunch of Americans. Assuming you're American in this story. I don't know. You might be from another place. And you would hope that the story would get out. But what happens is, eventually, an urban legend pops up. <laughs> Jen Saki from the White House 
Remember telling a spooky story? Okay, maybe this doesn't maybe this doesn't sound as good. Now that I'm I was thinking about this all day long. It doesn't sound so good. I can imagine Jen Saki that she's the White House correspondence person, and she's reading this spooky story, and she's like, Once there was a neighborhood where everyone looked into the sewer at the same time, and Pennywise came out. So if you go to a neighborhood, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions, because Pennywise might hear you. Maybe this story okay, so so maybe I'm wrong. I most likely am. Maybe this story isn't about some government cover-up. Maybe I don't have to take it in this level. I think I should just end it at the fact. The hilarious fact that a man got rabies and then bit a pig. And then him and the pig went on rabies-filled adventures. The seizures, mostly. And uh, then they ate the pig. That is... I don't, I don't know why I try to spin it off into some government conspiracy. Sometimes the best origin stories are the most simple. Dead Rabbit Radio. Yeah, this evening, I have no other way to end this one. I really was thinking of that ending all day long. It didn't go anywhere. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. 